0: Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entree Architect Podcast, Episode 80. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlepage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Building a successful business can be fun if you play it like a game. Learn the rules, build your skills, make small improvements on a consistent basis, and you will soon master the game. Soon, you will have a successful small firm architecture studio. This week on the Entree Architect podcast, I have the great pleasure to speak with the man who knows all about the game of business. He quite literally wrote the book on why small firms don't work and what to do about it. This week on the Entree Architect podcast, I am speaking with the author of the E-Myth Architect and the founder of the new website, Architecture Plus Business, Norbert Lemmeyer. This episode of the Entree Architect podcast is brought to you by the Get Focused Course. 16 videos that will show you how to get things done and live a successful, stress-free life as a small firm architect. Visit GetFocusedCourse.com. Norbert Lemmeyer, welcome to the Entrepreneur Architect
1: Podcast. Good to be here. Thank you.
0: I, I appreciate you spending some time with us today. Um, you have uh, you've written the book that I wanted to write. <laughs> mm mm-hmm. The, uh, the E-Myth Revisited uh, by Michael E. Gerber is my favorite book of all time. It is the uh, it is the book that I share with every small business owner, uh, whether they are a small business architect or whether they're a, a pizza owner. Uh, the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber is, is the book uh, that I share with everybody. And you wrote the book, The E-Myth Architect, Why Architecture Firms Don't Work and What to Do About It. Um, you're also the founder of uh, Architecture Plus Business online, uh, where you bring business training direct to architects. And that's at our architectureplusbusiness.com. And uh, before that, you've, you've been practicing for quite a while. You've been in the profession for 35 plus years, uh, working from uh, Western Canada and uh and so i think that uh, you and i'll have a very interesting conversation here on the entrepreneur architect podcast. I'm looking forward to that. So b- before we get into that, let's do what i always do and uh, and get into your origin story. We'd love to know uh your story, your journey. So take us way back to where you where you learned about architecture and this this profession that we're we're uh living in here and give us your your journey to where you find yourself today.
1: Well, uh, I think it all began in the eighth grade where uh, they were doing an addition to the school that I was going to at the time. And uh, I, each day, as the sort of construction, no, actually, even before the construction started, my uh, teacher got hold of a set of the drawings and he brought out these big, long sheets, these big sheets of paper with all these magical notes and drawings on it and just sort of captivated my attention completely. Then when construction started, I used to watch every day by the uh, uh, hoarding fence and see what was going on. And then one day along comes the architect in this big fancy car and uh, he comes onto the job site and the, the whole site uh, focuses on him. And uh, so that was made a tremendous uh, impression on me. And I suppose that ever since that day, I had, I geared myself towards getting into architecture. Once I finished, um, High school. I went to a technical school for architectural technology, and that's basically it was draftsman in those days. And I worked for seven years in an architect's office. Then, after I graduated, and then I decided to go back and study architecture. Uh, by this time, I had uh, a wife and two kids, but uh, that didn't stop me. I <laughs> I went through the four years and uh, graduated in 1976. I then uh, spent the two years in apprenticeship and. Uh, became an architect in 1978 and before the year was over I was into practice for myself and that's when my troubles began. (laughs) (laughs) So you
0: you dove right into the profession right out of uh, once you did your two years uh, you opened up a opened up a practice.
1: Yeah pretty much well uh, the architect I was working for at the time uh, well I had worked for him uh, sort of throughout my well right is from when right when I became uh, a draftsman I worked for him and then During the intervening years, uh, when I was studying architecture, I worked for him continuously. So for 13 years, I worked for this guy, and I was the the star performer in his office, uh, both in terms of uh, technical drawings and also design drawings once I became an architect. So I thought, well, if I'm this good, I should certainly start up my own office, (laughs) never ever having once thought about uh, the business aspect of it, uh, which... I soon found out about, I have to tell you that.
0: Right. I mean, it looks so easy when you're working for somebody else, right? You just do the drawings and somebody sends you a check.
1: Exactly. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> that's, all, that's what I thought it was all about. So uh, actually, uh, for the first uh, few years, and also there was a boom going on where we were in. And so I worked like day and night, but it was just a pleasure, you know, because I was in architecture calling my own shots. And then, of course, then about uh, three or four years, the reality set in because I just burnt out you know, working uh uh ten, twelve, fourteen hours a day and and finally I realized what I didn't have, uh this expertise. So I struggled on for about twenty more years mm-hmm. the same way. Uh what I call homemade homemade business in architecture. That's what I call it. And then finally one day I said, uh either I learn business properly or I give up the profession. So that's when I got involved with uh Michael Gerber and the E-Myth and I took the online mastery program and completely revamped my company and what a difference that made. And so consequently that came sort of in the latter stages of of my uh, career as an architect. So it took me, I would say I started in about 1995 to make this change and at first I didn't take it all that seriously but then in about I'd say 2004 I, I got to the mastery program, and I said, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to make the change. And, and then uh, once I spent three years sort of following the program, converting my business, by this time I was, uh, you know, 68 years old, and uh, so I practiced another three years, and then I passed the business on to my employees, and uh, some of them were very strong advocates of the systems process and I think uh, they're doing actually sort of quite well uh, in their companies right now. Well, I've moved on to, uh, well, I wrote the book and then I I moved on to I'm actually sort of mentoring small business, small businesses. I have uh, two architects and I have two non-architectural small businesses that I'm uh, mentoring.
0: And and so you're you're doing the mentoring through is it your own specific company or are you working th- through the guidelines of uh, of E-Myth?
1: Uh Well, yeah, I, I've set up my own program, but it, it follows the kind of the general path that the EMF follows, and how I learned it from the E-Myth Mastery Program. Did mm-hmm. you take the EMF Mastery Program yourself? I, I
0: I did not, but the more you're uh, talking about it, the more. Uh, because, you know, I've, I've considered it so many times and I've read the book over a dozen times. Yeah. um, But, uh, I, I never took the, uh, the program.
1: Well, I still read the book from time to time myself. Uh, and I, uh, every time I read it, I seem to get something new out of it or refreshes my mind. Of course, there's no question about it. I do
0: the same thing. Anytime I need some inspiration, uh, that's the book I pull off the shelf.
1: Well, I'll send you a copy of my, uh, E Myth uh, architect, and then uh, you'll ha- you won't have to sort of wade through the cookie the cookie making uh, <laughs> uh, businesses and things like that.
0: That's right. If anybody doesn't know, anybody who hasn't read the E Myth Revisited, uh, it 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 basically uh, the story revolves around a um, a woman who started a, a bakery uh, pie baking business, and and uh, Mr. Gerber sort of leads her through the process of. Uh, re-educating herself about business and how business works and, and why businesses fail. And what Norbert has done is, uh, as has written the book, The E-Myth Architect, which takes the same concepts but uh, applies it to the things that we're doing as, as architecture uh, and business in architecture.
1: I just want to add that uh, this, this, the passion that I have now for helping and mentoring uh, small business architects, is as strong as the passion that I had for, for actually sort of designing and doing architecture uh, simply because I, I could see now how, how much I could have used this. So any new uh, startup business that comes along, I, I just want to help them. It's just, it's, it's just a passion that I have. And I know now exactly what they need to be successful.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have very similar missions and, and, I, and I can definitely um, feel the same passion that you do. Uh, mm-hmm. and and uh luckily my wife is an architect and we're partners and so okay. and so the uh the combination of of Anne Marie who who loves design and loves architecture and loves creating buildings um I have that same passion for running our business and and mm-hmm. and doing the things that it requires to to be successful and to, and and playing the game of business which is how I look at it yeah uh, yeah you you really need to understand the rules like any game, and the better you know those rules, and the better you you get skilled at those rules, uh, the better you can you can uh, play the game and succeed uh-huh. in business. What what I thought was very interesting in your in your um, in your story that you told us in the beginning of the sh- show here uh, is how how late in your career you discovered um, e Myth and and how to recreate your business, and you did that, and you created and you and you built a successful business, and then um, handed it down to your employees. Was that a, um, uh, a specific planned objective when you rebuilt the business and realized that there was something more for you to do? Was it, a, was it a plan to sort of sell it to the, to the employees?
1: Uh, <clears throat> not really, but, uh, previous to having, uh, Uh, converted it to a proper business I didn't I couldn't see how it could be worth anything to anyone because it all it was all inside me so how could I sort of pass that on to anyone I mean the training uh, uh, that I give my employees certainly was valid but but really uh, when it came to the office it wasn't really worth anything the only worth in the office was me myself or the employees themselves where once I got the 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 um, a company up and running according to the systems process. There are all these systems. I had about, I have or had about seventy major systems that ran the office. Then now all these systems that weren't used every day, and they, some of them were just uh, used as sort of reference material. But if someone had to find out uh, how I would do something, they could refer to the systems. We call it the systems Bible, and it was sort of a reference book. And uh, the typical systems like how to, how to. Uh, do schematic design, how to do design development, how to do working drawings. All these were uh, on everyone's desks. So they could refer to them on a sort of a daily basis. And as they were going through their projects, we had what we call a chart. The chart um, was set up on the first day. Okay, one thing I have to tell you about, especially the production systems, is there's a, a first step and a last step most times in my career, uh, there was no beginning or no ending to any of the projects. They just sort of faded in and then they sort of faded out.
0: Right. Yeah. And
1: and one of the most important things that I felt that we needed a starting point and an end point to each phase of the project and to each project. And that seemed to really make a huge difference because then you could sort of uh, uh, tie the project up in a knot at the end. And uh, okay, so then we had uh, what we call a chart and this chart then set out the different uh, steps that we take during each process, e.g. The, the schematic design process, the design process, working drawings process, tendering and also construction services uh, process. So then uh, let's just say and this often happens and I, have, uh, I like being on schedule but sometimes projects through uh, no fault of our own, they go off schedule. It could be the weather, it could be delivery of materials and all that sort of thing. So if this project that we set out at the beginning of the project went off schedule, we redrew the program, we redrew the schedule. So each member working on each project knew exactly where they were at. They weren't just swimming out there uh from beginning to end they knew what stages they had to go through right so they could and pick up
0: that schedule actually point to a specific point on that schedule and know that that's right where they are in their in the exactly
1: and, and and if i came to review the project then i would say okay where are we on this schedule and they could point out to where they are on the schedule and they were either on time or they were behind time and if they were behind time i says is it your fault or is it our fault or is it someone else's fault and if it's someone else or if, if there's unavoidable then we'd rewrite the new schedule right then and there. Just change the dates or however we we did it. And and that made a huge difference. Those are what I call the client fulfillment systems. Uh, Michael Gerber talks about the seven centers of attention in a business. Well, we in Architecture Plus Business talk about six, we have six centers of attention. They are... Uh, leadership, financial management uh, marketing, business development and client fulfillment So the, the, the key as Michael says and as I say is when you're starting in a small business and you're trying to re uh, tool or reconvert your business is to tackle the whole, Business at once is just completely overwhelming. Right. If you break it down into these six centers of attention, which are, uh, you can then tackle them one by one. Uh, you work basically what I call old coal and new coal. New coal being a systematized business, but you work at one system at a time. Can uh, uh, learn it, put it into practice in your office, and then uh, move on to the next system, and so on and so forth. And I would say to do this successfully from beginning to end in an architect's firm if you're really sort of focused anywhere between three and five years to make the complete transformation.
0: Yeah, that was something that I was going to ask you because you know, I work with a lot of architects and I think mm-hmm. the, the biggest problem that we have and when they start thinking about how am I going to do all this is mm-hmm. that I have so much to do. I have, <laughs> I have so much work to do. I don't know uh, how I could possibly build these systems uh, and have my business run any differently than it is now. And so what you're saying is to is to break it down, chunk it down into different pieces and have these six centers of attention, leadership, finance, management, marketing, business, business development and uh, client fulfillment and start with leadership, create those systems that you need in that center of attention mm-hmm. um, one by one. So you, you don't even hit those all at one, at, one at, all at the same time. You do each each system within the leadership Center of attention um, first, and then do one at a time. And once you're finished with that, then move on to the next one. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the other thing in making the conversion that I noted and and how I did it in my own um, company when I was, when I was working in the uh, mastery program with E Myth is you is the discipline of you have to. I gave up 20% of my time, which sounds huge, but that's what you have to do. 20% of your time you have to devote to working on your business, learning business, and writing systems. So, 20% of your time. This is what I did. Now, uh, I did two half days a week that I was focused on working on the businesses. Michael Gerber says, yeah. and 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 and. The, once I got in the habit of it, uh, I managed to sort of get all the other work done that I had to do in a way. It's just a, a discipline and, and a priority setting and all that sort of thing. And without that, though, without setting those priorities and trying to just sort of squeeze it in here and there, uh, I say it would be very difficult, if not impossible, to sort of make this transition.
0: Right. It needs to become a priority and it needs to be an item on your calendar every week. Exactly. And so you need to if if it is 20 percent of your time or two half days, those that time on your schedule needs to be blocked out and reserved for that business development, that work, that systems development that you're going to do. Uh, And and it becomes a a a meeting, just like if you had a client meeting, you would never miss a client meeting um you cannot miss this this time as well where you focus on learning what you need to learn so maybe you're reading maybe you're looking at websites maybe you're on programs online and then you're applying those what you've learned in those books and those online programs uh at that time and it and you do it every week consistently and you have these small victories which will end up leading to a very major reward at the end and your business running smoothly and the more time you spend building these systems the easier everything gets. So the more you dedicate and the more you invest, which is how you have to look at it, it's a mindset, you're investing in your business. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. The more you invest in your business, the more return you'll get on the other end. Earlier this week, I announced the launch of the Get Focused course. It's a 16-session video course where I share everything I know about productivity and living a successful, stress-free life as a small firm architect. It's not easy to live the life of a small firm architect. We are constantly bombarded by things to do and rarely are they the things we want to do. We're pulled in every direction as we try to balance our work and our life. Every day feels like one big, long, never-ending to-do list. We struggle just to find the time to fit in the things that matter most. Throughout the past two decades, I have learned so much about personal productivity Experimenting with time management tactics tactics has sort of become a a passion of mine. I've read all the books and I've applied all the systems. And what I've determined over the years is that one system alone does not solve all the problems. None of the productivity gurus have all the answers. As a small firm architect, the founder of Entrez Architect, a husband and a dad, I've discovered that a successful stress-free life is the result of getting things done and focusing on the things that matter most to me. An integrated life is my goal, where the time with my firm and the time with my family merge to become one well-functioning, happy life. And as our Entree Architect community grows at the blog, our, our social media grows, and our Entree Architect Academy grows, I've learned that we're all struggling to stay focused and live a successful, stress-free life. The mission of Entrez Architect here is to inspire success for small firm architects. And the first step towards success is to learn how to get things done. And that is why I created the Get Focused course. I will help you get things done. In 16 video sessions, I share everything I've learned. From creating a morning ritual, to knowing how to to set up your Mondays so you have a successful work week. The best way to process and manage your to-do list, learning which tasks that should not be on your to-do list and starting to delegate them to others, How how to conquer procrastination once and for all, what to do when your email inbox is exploding and stealing your day away. I even share my personal productivity tools and all my favorite books about time management and getting things done. And these are just a few of the topics I've included. And there's just so much more I want to share. If you're interested in learning more, I invite you to visit... Get Focused Course at GetFocusedCourse.com. Check it out, GetFocusedCourse.com.
1: What I did uh, often was either I locked my uh, locked my office door or I went off-site. I went either to uh, the library or there, there was a, a university right next door to where my office was. I went to their library and worked in there so I wouldn't get any distractions from the office. You have to really sort of Uh, set down some ground solid ground rules for yourself.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea to to uh, to remove yourself from the environment of your typical daily work uh, and put yourself maybe in a in a different place. So it really becomes uh, part of the habit of building these systems where at that moment you get up and you go to that meeting, which is the meeting with yourself precisely you go to this other place and you sit down and you get to work, you shut off your phone so it doesn't ring. And you turn off your email and you turn off all the notifications on your phone so you don't get any social media you know dingling <laughs> happening while you're working. And you get to work and you focus for the amount of time that you've dedicated to doing this, uh, and you make progress little by little.
1: So then uh once you have uh kind of the systems written the way you want to, when you the way you think they would work in your office and 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 to learn writing systems is a bit of an art form in itself that you have to learn or a skill that you have to learn. Um, uh, then uh, you have to introduce these uh, systems into the culture of your office. And I have found, especially in an office that's running, that there's some people will uh, buy into the systems and some people absolutely will not. Yeah, There's a mindset among architects and, and technicians that some people just believe once you systematize something, you take the creativity out of it. And in fact, I had to part company with some of the people in my office so I could, in fact, uh, develop this culture of systems in an office and systems usage in an office. And writing the systems is a difficult task, but bringing them into the office culture and making them work is uh, e- uh, an equal, equally uh, uh, um, uh, a tough task, uh, but once it's done, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. Um, would you recommend that once you sort of create the outline and the structure and the framework of the system, to bring it into your office and and not sort of dictate it to the studio, but to basically say, "Here's what I'm thinking," you know, "Let's figure out as a as a group." Uh, how do we make this better and how do we implement this in order to get buy-in from your employees to make them sort of part of the team? Or should it be the other way around where we're developing these systems and we're saying, okay, this is how we're going to do it from now
1: on? Uh, No, absolutely. Uh, uh, When you introduce the systems, uh, there's a process. Uh, There's a process to writing systems. (laughs) (laughs) One of the systems is, is getting the idea of what systems you need. And, and what drives uh, identifying systems, then basically uh, outlining the systems, then writing the systems yourself, uh, but call them draft systems. Then you lay the draft system onto the, the users and then the users ask the users for input and how do they think that this would, could be improved and what, what words or what, what uh, tweaks could be made to make this more usable and that, at that point, and then you rewrite it to, to, to use this. And sometimes they they make useful suggestions, and sometimes you just uh, make some changes just to sort of uh, just sort of be inclusive of your of your team. And then uh, the, the team tries it, and then something works and something doesn't. And then you might have to rewrite it again. And then eventually it, it becomes culture. And once it's culture, it's 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 a beautiful thing. Now when it when you have it into um, When you have the systems running in the office uh, they from time to time have to be evaluated to make sure that they're working and I would say a minimum of sort of once a year and some systems more often and the other thing that we found uh, in the process of uh, employing systems is you can evaluate the systems user as well and that basically is a very important tool to see how your employees in fact are doing where previous to systems uh pretty much you evaluated your employees. Well, we had we had some systems or some ideas how we evaluated our employees, but once we had the systems running, we evaluated the users, and then that basically evaluated our employees on a year-by-year basis. We had a binder uh or a binder or folder where we had all the uh systems, users, evaluations, and they formed basically the basis of the annual employee evaluation.
0: So it gave you a framework to, sh- to not only judge their performance, but how, how they're working with the system.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And how they're, what, how, what kind of employee they, they are from one year to the next, because uh, as you know, uh, uh, architects are busy and sometimes they don't have, they don't pay enough attention to this. And, and, and so at the end of the year, they don't have any material to make this evaluation. So the evaluation is done on an intuitive basis, which isn't always the best way to evaluate people.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And the the um so you said to review the systems at least once per year. So that again is something that we need to schedule and say, okay, on on, on this date or or this week, uh, we're going to, you know, stop what we're doing and reevaluate the systems that we're working on. I have in, I have a my Entrepreneur Architect Academy, which is a private online group with, with uh, about forty or fifty small firm architects as members, and and we get together every week and talk about business, and and then we also have private coaching, and the, and some of the members in that group are actually um, are scheduling uh, several days to a week in their in their schedule to to do an offsite, just like the big corporations do. But they're sole proprietors and so they actually leave their office they go away uh-huh. and, and uh, sort of like a vacation but it's focused on business and uh-huh. they evaluate their their business and they they uh-huh. work on their business plan and they build their systems and they do the things they need and then they come back to their studio and and re- re-implement um you can do the same thing when you have employees you can you can as the as the owner can take that off site do what you need to do and maybe if you have partners you do that with partners uh, and then come back to the studio and dedicate specific time uh, to bring this, the employees on on board with the evaluation and get their take as well on what's working and what's not working at least once a year. And then, uh, you know, make those adjustments as you need uh, on, a, on a yearly basis. But the important thing is, is that it becomes part of your routine, part of your schedule.
1: Uh, the, the key to what, you, what you're saying here and, and I've discovered uh, is that, uh, and it goes back to what Michael Gerber says, you, you set aside architecture for a minute, you don't talk about design, you don't talk about, you know, solving the problems of your clients and all that sort of stuff. You, wor- you focus on your own company and, and, and you deal with those problems. You know, the, many architects that I know, many of my colleagues that I know, they, they don't even know how to talk about running their own businesses. They, 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 they whenever you raise the subject they get all nervous and uptight right. because they, they they don't have that vocabulary and 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 what what what's interesting about meeting uh you online and other people that are doing what what we are doing is that we can, we we acknowledge that's a issue we, we we're doing something about it and and I think that's the key now as you sort of work your way through this you do some things that work and you do some things that don't work and and that's part of the process that's uh in developing this business culture of architecture
0: yeah and and uh, I see the passion you have for it and I have that same passion and I and I believe that you know you said before that that there are so many architects that that hear the word systems and their the you know their hackles come up and they exactly. you know, they get upset that you know you're going to take away their their freedom to create and and my argument to that is that when you spend the time to build those systems and to create a better business, uh, then you have more time to do the things you love because everything else becomes automated. Everything else becomes systematized. People are doing what they're supposed to be doing. People know what they're supposed to be doing and they're doing it. The stress level comes down. The the culture in the studio is better. They're happier. They're doing the things they love to do because the things that they don't know how to do that stress them out, that, that they have to rethink every time they do it because it's not a system. Uh, that takes time and that takes energy and takes, uh, takes away the creativity (laughs) of, of, uh, of architecture. And so when those things are in place and you invest the time to build those systems, then you have much more time and much more freedom to create the amazing architecture that you dreamed that you wanted, that you want to create.
1: Um, the one example that I like best is, is, and I did a survey on this is that just simple thing like the data a, data, a simple database where you have all the phone numbers and all the contact information on on, on people that you're doing business with, clients, you know, contractors, uh, uh, consultants, etc. And you know, I did a survey of 25 architects and you know that only uh, probably three of them had a, a proper database. The other 20 odd had no database at all. <laughs> And you know how much time that? So I did a little uh, crazy little calculation that it was between uh, uh, there's about ten days wasted in an office per year, on uh, searching for phone numbers and contact information and being clumsy about that whole communications thing.
0: Right, right, and that's such a simple system to do because you have all the information. It's just a exactly. matter of putting it in the right place. So maybe it's, that maybe that's a great a great. Um, uh, uh, an action plan for our listeners. Maybe in order for us to sort of get a little taste of what, what Norbert and I are talking about here. And and maybe you can feel a little bit of the excitement that we do when, when we're talking about this, maybe dedicate yourself to schedule it on your calendar, put it in there and just don't, don't, don't commit to the entire thing. Don't commit to rebuilding your whole business and putting all these systems in just (laughs) commit to putting together your database of contacts and your, and your, uh, employee database, or not your employee, data, your client database. So you know when when those clients came in, uh, what, uh, how how often that you, did you talk to them before they became clients? Um, mm-hmm. All the steps that it takes that we all go through every time we have a client. Put together a spreadsheet that talks about all those touch points, and and maybe you don't even fill it in with all your past clients. Just build the database, and then. Once it's built, then start plugging it in. When you get in the next inquiry for the new project, you fill it in there. You can do it on Google uh, on Google um, uh, Docs, uh-huh. and you can you can uh, create a form in Google Docs. This is something Enix Sears has recently shared with me. You create it on uh, Enix Sears from businessofarchitecture.com. dot com. Um, uh-huh. You create a form in Google Docs. That form automatically goes to a database. So every time you get a call, you pull up that form. You fill in the form and that form automatically fills in the database. And then from that point forward, forever from that point forward, you have an ongoing database with every client that you've ever talked to, every prospect that you've ever, ever talked mm-hmm. to and their telephone number and their address and the type of work that they wanna do. Um, so if you don't get that job, you can go back to that database and you can say, okay, which ones did I talk to and which ones were hot leads, but never never followed through and, uh, and it'll be there. So, so dedicate yourself to just creating that form and that database. Don't do anything else, just do that and see how that works for you. And then once you do that, I think Norbert would, would agree with me. And once you do that, you'll wanna see what the next thing is. Once that's working, you're gonna to wanna to say, okay, well that works, look at what that's done for me. What's the next thing I should do? And then you'll do the next thing. And then you'll do that, and then you'll do the next thing. And eventually it'll just become part of your routine. It'll become a habit. And you'll just be constantly, you know, of your time will be dedicated to building your business, to be working on your business like Michael talks about. Um, so I would love that. I I think that's a great, a great idea to just do that one thing, Norbert. Uh, thanks for, for suggesting that.
1: Well, I think, I think, uh, uh, to look at it from the uh, from the outside uh, uh, reconverting your business from the outside it just looks overwhelming but once you do one or two things that start to work then you become encouraged and you 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 see what other things you could do and you start doing them all, sort of one at a time and I, I remember that I remember how it transformed me at first it was uphill all the way and then once these systems started to in fact work I got so very excited that I'm gonna do this to my whole company and and uh, it, it, it made a huge difference, a huge difference. And and the, the most important thing that I that I felt I felt a confidence that I never felt before in the twenty-five years that I was in business before that, I felt a confidence that I was doing business properly, that I never felt before. I was always kind of unsure of myself. And I know my clients and other people that did business with me sensed this uncertainty that I had in in me about not knowing really what I was doing as far as business is concerned.
0: Yeah. And that, and that becomes a constant source of stress. Mm. That, that becomes this thing that's in the back of your head. That's Mm. always sort of, you know, poking you, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that it doesn't go away until you fix it, until you start solving these problems, until you start learning what you need to learn and building these small little systems. I, I, I agree with you. Um, and, and, and when you start doing that, you know, your life starts to change and, and, and by starting small and by, by creating a discipline, will that will lead to a habit by putting it on your calendar and hitting it every, say every Tuesday at 10, 10 o'clock, you're going to do this from 10 to 12, mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. hours a, a, a week, say. Um, and that'll become a routine. And, and as, as it becomes a routine, it'll become a habit. And when you miss it, you'll, 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 you'll miss it. You'll mm-hmm. want to do it. And mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, you you want to make it a habit, and then once it's a habit, it becomes fun because then you want to you want to get in there. Okay, what I'm going to do this week to make the business better, uh, and you just do one little system at a time, and those systems add up to become you know your systems bible, like Norbert said.
1: Well, I, I, uh, I you said uh, about it being fun. Well, until I started learning business, I, it always intimidated me, and I was always fearful of it, and I, I just. I hated it to tell you the truth, <laughs> but then once I started doing it, I says I got very excited about learning business. It's just every architect loves to learn, and so even if it's business that you're learning, it's it's a sort of a natural learning thing if you if you got the right teacher.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. As soon as I uh, as soon as I s- s- started learning about business and looking at it like a game, uh, it really did. It became it became fun. Um, <laughs> And the, and the better you get at it, the more fun it gets. Just like when you're playing in a sport, you play baseball. The first yeah. time you play baseball, it's hard. You know, if you remember, go back and think about yeah. it, that first time trying to hit that baseball. But once you get good at it, it becomes mm. a really fun thing.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so now uh, with my me- people that I mentor, uh, actually the most successful uh, students that I have are two electrical engineers. And they are so excited about. So I've gone. I've been with them for two years. Now they've hired me as a as an advisor to their company on an ongoing basis, as long as I want to be there to advise them on their systems and just to be a, 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 a an advisor who understands business as they understand business. And every time I show up, they're very excited and and their business has grown by leaps and bounds. They just can't believe how successful they could become. And when they, when I started with them three years ago, they were, you know, just at sort of the, one of the beautiful things about them is though, they never learned business the bad way.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they, nice.
1: I started off with them when they started their business. So they don't even know how business, uh, the, 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 the bad ad hoc business practices that most, as small businesses have. They started off the right way right from the beginning, and that's the ideal way. And And I go back to talking about anybody that uh, wants to start an architect's office should, in fact, start in a systems manner exactly. and in a, in a proper business way, and then they never have to go through this transition because this transition, I would say, would be harder than uh, learning a business the wrong way or old co, as I call it, and then having to make that transformation—it's tough. Than making this transition in the middle of the stream, as the saying goes.
0: Yeah. So we're talking to you out there, you architecture students and young architects. Make sure that you uh, you focus on the business. I, I say uh, profit, then art. That's something. That's <laughs> a good good way to to remember it. Profit, then art. The art will come once you start building a business that's profitable. Um, Norbert, do you have do you have room for more uh, uh, mentees? Are you still are you mentoring? Is your is your schedule open for more?
1: Okay, well, uh, basically, okay. So I, I, I do private mentoring in, in in Edmonton where I live. But uh, architecture plus business has we are online mentoring. We have a program that's not unlike uh, the eMyth. Uh, it's called Architecture and Business. And if you go to our our website. Uh, which is architectureplusbusiness.com. Uh, you can find out about our program, and uh, we have uh, business coaches who I've personally instructed on how to mentor online, at, at aka myth mastery, and uh, they 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 reside in California, but it doesn't matter where they are. They can give you the they can take you through the whole program. We have 21 online lessons that you can take over one or two years, depending on the speed you want to operate at. And uh, and so, yeah, we're open. We're open to actually, we're set up to be able to handle about uh, 40 students uh, once we get up and running. We great. just went online on the 1st of May.
0: Oh, so it's relatively new. I didn't, I didn't realize that. That's great. So um, it's mm-hmm. Architecture Plus Business, so that's all spelled out, Architecture Plus. Plus p l u s business dot yes. com, correct. Um, and you can find out more information there. Um, you're also on Twitter as uh, Arch Plus Bis b i s. So it's a r c h p l u s b i s. Correct. So you're Architecture Plus Bis on uh, on Twitter. So you can you can uh, connect with Norbert there. Is there any uh, email that you'd prefer the people connect with you, or should they just go to the site and and no, and-
1: uh, it's Norbert at architecture plus biz or you can also do joe at architecture plus biz no architecture plus business.com
0: right architecture plus business.com okay great so um norbert thank you very much first of all i want to thank you for your dedication to the profession and your inspiration because not only are you teaching uh architects how to run successful businesses you're an inspiration to the young architects who are coming in and seeing that there's, there's a better way to do it. And you're an inspiration for, for the older generation who find themselves in this position after decades of struggling. You've done that. You've gone decades of struggling and you've, you've discovered the right way to do it. And you, you took the action and you rebuilt your business and built it to the point where you could uh, then sell it to your, to your employees and then go off and do, do a second career uh, in this architecture business, uh, uh, online business, and, and and mentoring, so I want to just acknowledge you for that and thank you for that.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity uh, of uh, allowing me to uh, speak with you, and it's a inspiration for me to talk to someone like you uh, who's also doing the similar sort of thing and trying to develop this business in in our profession.
0: Thank you. I, I you know I think uh, you and I and there's a there's a handful of others out there. We're going to change the world because we're going to change the profession. And this profession is the one that builds this world. So, uh, you know, I think that you are, uh, you and I are on uh, on a mission to change the world here.
1: Good. Thank you. That's how I feel.
0: Yeah. So thank you very much, Norbert, for your time uh, today f- and for sharing your knowledge on the Entrepreneur Architect podcast. Please send me
1: your contact information and I'll send you my book.
0: I will absolutely do that. I will okay. absolutely do that. Thank, thanks for being here today, Norbert.
1: The pleasure was mine completely. Thank you. It's nice to talk to you.
0: You're welcome. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and leave me a review because this is how you may help me spread the word about Entree Architect and our mission to become an influential force in this profession of architecture. Just go to EntreeArchitect.com slash iTunes. It's easy to remember. EntreeArchitect.com slash iTunes and leave me a review. And that is a wrap for today's show. Show notes and a direct link to this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com episode 80. finally reached 80, closing in on 100 here. But before we go, quote of the week, I thought it would be appropriate to quote Mr. Gerber, Michael E. Gerber, the author of The E-Myth Revisited. The difference between great people and everyone else is that great people create their lives actively. While everyone else is created by their lives, passively waiting to see where their life takes them next. The difference between the two is living fully and just existing. My name is Mark Arlepage, and I thank you very much for being here. I'm an entrepreneur architect, and I'll see you next week.